immersed in Esther. As the Hebrew Bible was growing, several small books were grouped together and named the Five Scrolls. These five books, Song of Songs, Ruth, Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, and Esther, were each assigned to be read at a different Jewish festival or special day of observance. The last book, Esther, was read at the festival known as Purim. After Israel's exile in Babylon, the Jewish people made a concerted effort to renew their commitment to God and to His instructions given in the Law of Moses. Part of this commitment included faithfully observing the festivals and special days prescribed therein. However, in this post-exilic period, the Jews began to celebrate a brand new festival called Purim. But what is Purim? And how could a new festival be added to those already given in the law? The book of Esther answers these questions by telling the intriguing, fast-paced story that lies behind the celebration. The account is set in the period of the Persian Empire, 550 to 330 BC. Some Jews have returned to the land of Israel and are trying to rebuild a Jewish society there after the exile. But others have remained abroad and faced the challenge of crafting a distinctive identity and way of life as God's people while living in a foreign land. The book of Esther tells the story of two courageous exiles, a beautiful young woman named Esther and Mordecai, the devout uncle who raised her after her parents' deaths. At great personal risk and aided by God's providential intervention, Esther and Mordecai stop a plot to destroy all the Jews in the Persian Empire. They turn the weapons of their enemies against them and save the Jewish people. The whole Jewish community agreed that this was a deliverance to be remembered and kept from generation to generation and celebrated by every family throughout the provinces and cities of the empire. Purim became a particularly joyous festival of feasting and gift-giving, highlighting the continuing gifts of life and protection. And so, the book of Esther explains, another festival was established to be kept at the appointed time each year. This book also gives us important insight into how biblical storytelling came to function in the community of God's people. The story of Esther contains six references to banquets, two at the beginning, two in the middle, and the two at the end that celebrate the Jewish victory. The book was very likely read during the feasting that was a regular part of the Purim festivities. So each new generation of Jews comes to relive the story as they are put right into the action. By following this pattern of reading and rereading the scriptures today, the ancient stories can become our stories. Through regular feasting on God's Word, especially during our own festivals and celebrations of God's work in history, we can enter the drama of the Bible ourselves. We tell and retell the stories in the Bible in order to be shaped into people who play our parts well in the ongoing story of redemption. From Esther, we learn that we too must sometimes take bold actions for the sake of others. We too must be courageous, trusting that God is providentially working, and we must be willing to confront the dominant powers of our world in creative ways. And each generation can rightly celebrate the good gifts of community and life that we receive from God. The Book of Esther These events happened in the days of King Xerxes, who reigned over 127 provinces stretching from India to Ethiopia. At that time, Xerxes ruled his empire 
from his royal throne at the fortress of Susa. In the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials. He invited all the military officers of Persia and Media, as well as the princes and nobles of the provinces. The celebration lasted 180 days, a tremendous display of the opulent wealth of his empire and the pomp and splendor of his majesty. When it was all over, the king gave a banquet for all the people, from the greatest to the least, who were in the fortress of Susa. It lasted for seven days and was held in the courtyard of the palace garden. The courtyard was beautifully decorated with white cotton curtains and blue hangings, which were fastened with white linen cords and purple ribbons to silver rings embedded in marble pillars. Gold and silver couches stood on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother-of-pearl, and other costly stones. Drinks were served in gold goblets of many designs, and there was an abundance of royal wine, reflecting the king's generosity. By edict of the king, no limits were placed on the drinking, for the king had instructed all his palace officials to serve each man as much as he wanted. At the same time, Queen Vashti gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. On the seventh day of the feast, when King Xerxes was in high spirits because of the wine, he told the seven eunuchs who attended him, Mehuman, Biztha, Harbona, Bigtha, Abagtha, Zethar, and Carcass, to bring Queen Vashti to him with the royal crown on her head. He wanted the nobles and all the other men to gaze on her beauty, for she was a very beautiful woman. But when they conveyed the king's order to Queen Vashti, she refused to come. This made the king furious, and he burned with anger. He immediately consulted with his wise advisers, who knew all the Persian laws and customs, for he always asked their advice. The names of these men were Karshina, Shethar, Edmetha, Tarshish, Mirez, Marcina, and Mamukin, seven nobles of Persia and Media. They met with the king regularly and held the highest positions in the empire. What must be done to Queen Vashti? the king demanded. What penalty does the law provide for a queen who refuses to obey the king's orders, properly sent through his eunuchs? Mamukin answered the king and his nobles, Queen Vashti has wronged not only the king, but also every noble and citizen throughout your empire. Women everywhere will begin to despise their husbands when they learn that Queen Vashti has refused to appear before the king. Before this day is out, the wives of all the king's nobles throughout Persia and Media will hear what the queen did and will start treating their husbands the same way. There will be no end to their contempt and anger. So, if it please the king, we suggest that you issue a written decree, a law of the Persians and Medes that cannot be revoked. It should order that Queen Vashti be forever banished from the presence of King Xerxes, and that the king should choose another queen more worthy than she. When this decree is published throughout the king's vast empire, husbands everywhere, whatever their rank, will receive proper respect from their wives." The king and his nobles thought this made good sense, so he followed Mamukin's counsel. He sent letters to all parts of the empire, to each province in its own script and language, proclaiming that every man should be the ruler of his own home 
and should say whatever he pleases. But after Xerxes' anger had subsided, he began thinking about Vashti and what she had done and the decree he had made. So his personal attendant suggested, Let us search the empire to find beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint agents in each province to bring these beautiful young women into the royal harem at the fortress of Susa. Hegai, the king's eunuch in charge of the harem, will see that they are all given beauty treatments. After that, the young woman who most pleases the king will be made queen instead of Vashti. This advice was very appealing to the king, so he put the plan into effect. At that time, there was a Jewish man in the fortress of Susa whose name was Mordecai, son of Jair. He was from the tribe of Benjamin and was a descendant of Kish and Shimei. His family had been among those who, with King Jehoiakim of Judah, had been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. This man had a very beautiful and lovely young cousin, Hadassah, who was also called Esther. When her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter. As a result of the king's decree, Esther, along with many other young women, was brought to the king's harem at the fortress of Susa and placed in Haggai's care. Haggai was very impressed with Esther and treated her kindly. He quickly ordered a special menu for her and provided her with beauty treatments. He also assigned her seven maids, specially chosen from the king's palace, and he moved her and her maids into the best place in the harem. Esther had not told anyone of her nationality and family background because Mordecai had directed her not to do so. Every day Mordecai would take a walk near the courtyard of the harem to find out about Esther and what was happening to her. Before each young woman was taken to the king's bed, she was given the prescribed twelve months of beauty treatments, six months with oil of myrrh, followed by six months with special perfumes and ointments. When it was time for her to go to the king's palace, she was given her choice of whatever clothing or jewelry she wanted to take from the harem. That evening, she was taken to the king's private rooms, and the next morning she was brought to the second harem where the king's wives lived. There she would be under the care of Sheashgaz, the king's eunuch in charge of the concubines. She would never go to the king again unless he had especially enjoyed her and requested her by name. Esther was the daughter of Abihail, who was Mordecai's uncle. Mordecai had adopted his younger cousin Esther. When it was Esther's turn to go to the king, she accepted the advice of Hegai, the eunuch in charge of the harem. She asked for nothing except what he suggested, and she was admired by everyone who saw her. Esther was taken to King Xerxes at the royal palace in early winter of the seventh year of his reign, and the king loved Esther more than any of the other young women. He was so delighted with her that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashti. To celebrate the occasion, he gave a great banquet in Esther's honor for all his nobles and officials, declaring a public holiday for the provinces and giving generous gifts to everyone. Even after all the young women had been transferred to the second harem and Mordecai had become a palace official, Esther continued to keep her family background and nationality a secret.
She was still following Mordecai's directions, just as she did when she lived in his home. One day, as Mordecai was on duty at the king's gate, two of the king's eunuchs, Bigthana and Tiresh, who were guards at the door of the king's private quarters, became angry at King Xerxes and plotted to assassinate him. But Mordecai heard about the plot and gave the information to Queen Esther. She then told the king about it and gave Mordecai credit for the report. When an investigation was made and Mordecai's story was found to be true, the two men were impaled on a sharpened pole. This was all recorded in the book of the history of King Xerxes' reign.